Welcome to Season 5, Episode 4 of As You Go, a podcast meant to encourage and disciple women who are daily trying to follow Jesus while balancing all of the things in their lives, like work, family, friendships, mental and physical health, and so much more. I'm Kathy, hosting alongside one of my very favorite people and work besties, Miranda Cokes. Hey, Miranda. Hey, guys. And we are so excited to have Julie Banks with us today. Julie, would you start us off by just sharing a little bit about who you are, a little bit about your family, and what you do at Rolling Hills? Sure, I would love to. Thanks for having me. I'm looking so forward to this time with you girls, just to sit in the same room with you, actually. So, a little bit about me. Um, let's see, I spent most of my life in Wyoming, um, many years there, met my husband there, got married there, had our kids there. It's a beautiful place to be, lots of blue sky, um, great place to raise a family, has a beauty all of its own. Winners are bad, so <laughs> uh, that would be the worst part about time in Wyoming, but it was just a, just a, a, a great time in our life in Wyoming. And so, um, while we were there actually is when, um, I had received a call to vocational ministry, um, and so I was already working. I had a job. Um, we were involved in this great church for years and years. Our kids grew up there, and um, um, and so and served there too, and served in small group ministry and women's ministry and worship arts, and um, were plugged in. And so while I was working at a high school, um, I didn't really know what that meant. God's call to ministry, and so um, I thought, well, I don't know what else to do. So I guess I should like get education. I don't know. That sounds like a good plan. So <laughs> I did that um, and um, got a master's degree in um, theological studies and then um, took a position at our home church within small group ministry and um, for about three or four years. And then again, felt a call of the Lord to go a little bit deeper and trust him a little bit more. And so um, I applied for um, positions elsewhere in the country and we ended up in Washington. Um, I took a job as a discipleship pastor on staff at a church there. Um, so that meant after um, a couple decades in Wyoming, we were going to pack it up and um, move. My husband is a big hunter. This is a big <laughs> a big step for him to be willing to let that go, Wyoming hunting. And so, um, so we moved to Washington. And it's beautiful. We loved it there, too. We were there a little around six years or so. And um, uh, worked with small group ministry, recruiting and supporting and training and um, loving on those people and um, writing a little bit of curriculum, those kinds of things, and was um, felt like we were pretty settled. Um, then my husband received um, a transfer to Tennessee, and so we've been here in Tennessee about a year and a half and love it. <laughs> I love everything Southern. I'm, like, trying to get all um, schooled up on, like, sweet tea and pimento cheese and mm -hmm. barbecue and canning, and I listen to Steel Magnolias, plug for nice. Steel Magnolias podcast. Um, with these little sisters from Franklin, Lainey and Mary Beth, and they, or excuse me, Laura Beth, and they tell you everything Southern. Anyway, so the Southern hospitality really resonates with me. I told my husband, I said, my heart has come home. Like, I never knew that I was supposed Aww. to be in Tennessee. I so. feel like you embrace yes. Tennessee. Oh. Like, I would never have known that you didn't grow up, you oh, know, good. in this area yeah. if oh, I hadn't good. known your story a oh, little good. bit. So. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm collecting, like, sweet tea recipes and trying them and biscuits. I'm, I'm doing all the things to, mm. um, you know. Learn and, it. And you garden. And I love to garden. And Tennessee is a gift for the gardener. Yeah. Wow. Is it? Yeah. I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I, I, I have one plan I'm trying to keep alive in my office. But that's <laughs> I'm not that's always great so at it, but I sure love it. Yeah. yeah. How, yeah. how is that adjustment for the kids during oh, that time? Sure. Well, we when we were in Wyoming, um, we had 
our our children are big, so we have adult children. So when we moved to Washington from Wyoming, all of our kids were out of the house. They were either in college or they were working, and so they didn't come with us. That makes that it, that makes a move a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know that a different season in life that's what is something that we would have done, or even what God might have called us to. Um, and so the the separation from them is um hard at times you know we have grandchildren now that are in wyoming and so you know we make trips back there um periodically usually like every three or four months just to spend some time so Mm -hmm. i we so miranda and i um have talked about this a few times and now that we can kind of bring you into this conversation about having ministry husbands Mm -hmm. um which is (laughs) it's a it's a role in and of itself and i think it is a beautifully challenging mm-hmm. role um but we have been very gifted with these husbands who are very strong mm-hmm. and they lead out in the community and they lead out in church but also allow us to step into the calling that god has mm-hmm. for our life how is that mm-hmm. for you guys mm-hmm. when you're like okay we're you know, looking at a different state, looking at a big transition here for ministry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to um, call it Team Banks. We'd be like, Team Banks. Um, he is um, my biggest support, mm. uh, my biggest cheerleader, um, um, a great sounding board, knows when to um, not fight for me and knows <laughs> when to fight for me, which is critical, mm-hmm. I think, in a ministry spouse, whether it's a woman or a man, for mm-hmm. sure, so... He has just been a gift to me. And really I've seen different facets of him and different facets of our marriage that we never would have had the opportunity to see if we hadn't been placed in those situations that have made my heart just um, just really marvel at the God's at God's hand in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and why he brings two people together in marriage mm-hmm. um, as a team. Yeah. yeah. I think you have an incredible story even in that at one point in your life. You're, you were transitioning to a different role in a different place, and your husband was partnering with you in that. And then the mm-hmm. Lord moved him in his role, mm-hmm. and you were partnering him with him in that. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's a beautiful picture of marriage. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, Lance is a good one. Your husband, Lance, he's he is. One. He's a good one. He's a good one. <laughs> he's a keeper. He is. Um, so, Julie, can you just tell us a little bit about your faith journey and were there any events that really grew your relationship with the Lord and helped you grow to be more like Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I was blessed to be raised in a Christian home. You know, um, on my par- both of my parents were believers as well as their extended family. So my mom's side and my dad's side. Um, and so I have no memory of not being in church, you know, from nursery up, you know, um, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, potluck, youth group, vacation Bible school, all those things mm-hmm. were such a gift to me. And so um, I remember sitting on this big fluffy white chair with my mama, with my brother, I have a twin brother, and um, our townhouse, and accepting Christ into my heart when I was about six, mm-hmm. um, and then later being baptized as 10. And then again, really um, have a, a mama of strong faith, um, being raised in the church, and then um, college came. And that was really kind of a faith crisis for me. I, I think I don't. I don't think I really um, knew the difference between my mom's faith and my faith. Mm-hmm. And um, if she told me to do something, that's what I did. And if I um, um, 
you know, I, I think I relied on her more than I relied on the Lord. And so when I went to college, which is both exhilarating and dangerous all at the same time, <laughs> because there's freedom involved yes. in that, right? Yeah. Um, and so I made some poor choices on the front end of that until I had like a settle, you know, I had kind of had a little shakedown there where I had to think, wait a minute, is this, I need to take this faith on as my own. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to do that, then what are my actions going to look like? Because I say that I'm a Christ follower. Mm-hmm. Um, it was super hard for me, but um, very critical for me in my spiritual walk that um, it was needed for me to step off from that place to really live a life of faith that I said and professed that I was going to do when I was baptized as 10. Well, it's a little easier when you're a parent's house as 10, a 10 year old, <laughs> to mm-hmm. live that out. You know, your parameters are, you know, prescribed for you. So that would be one thing. I think. Um, if there's something that really uh, in my adult years forced me into almost like a crucible of Christ-likeness, if you would say, um, was the death of my mom. Um, I was 34 when she passed away, and she fought cancer for about 34 years. Um, excuse me, she fought cancer for 14 years. And um, and there were, some, um, there were some beautiful times in that or some really devastating times in that. And so... Um, I was raised by her, so I should back up. When um, I was young, my parents divorced, and so by by my dad's choice, he chose not to be involved in our lives, and in some ways that maybe was easier, but um, there's also, um, you know, there's a wake that that Mm -hmm. causes, and so I was raised by her, a single mama, and she was my everything. Um, So to lose her really was devastating. I don't know that I've ever had a more difficult time in my life. Grief was amazingly intense and I had never experienced grief before in such a way that I would lose days or I would um, lose things or I wouldn't eat and that just really beyond what I ever thought I could um, handle so I gave myself about a year and I thought okay at a year this is gonna lift I'm gonna be able to function fully and um, not be so um, desperate all the time. There's a lot it, within that span we don't have time to talk about, maybe someday, but um, that was really um, crucial during that time. My life fell apart in a lot of ways, but was remade in the most beautiful of ways. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that for me, realizing that I don't doubt his power, nothing is impossible for God. I believe he's almighty. Um, I trust that. I just couldn't understand why he wouldn't use that to help my mom, you know, after prayers of healing. And after I felt like I did my side of the bargain, I followed the rules. I read the word. I grew up in church. I married a godly man. We're trying to raise our children a godly way. And you, Lord, didn't keep your end of the bargain. Well, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) Um, I don't think I ever really realized I thought it worked like that until that point came in my life. So it was hard for me to trust the Lord. I knew of his character, but whether I would really trust and lean into him as being unpredictable and um, I don't want to say wild because that's not a good word, but I don't control what the Lord does. Um, I have to rely on his sovereignty. So Getting through that was difficult, but um, Romans eight twenty eight was a piece, you know, that uh, he works together all things for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according mm-hmm. to his purpose. That doesn't say that all things are good. Right. It says that he'll work those things for good. And knowing that he is in the past, he's in the present, and he's in the future, and he knows how that whole thread goes allows me um, 
to trust him, whether it feels good or not. Yeah. He is good. And so that was probably the deepest time of forming. And I, I hope I don't get another one. <laughs> right. <laughs> that right. one was, yeah, the uh, difficult enough. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably can really resonate mm. with what you're saying. And I think it's one of those questions that comes up so often when it comes to faith is, you know, if God is so good, why mm. are these bad things happening? Mm-hmm. And it, it can really shake you to the core, but it can also be the biggest faith builder there is. So mm-hmm. um, so thank you for sharing that, Judy. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Um, so aside from, uh, I'll just give a little bit of background. I met Julie shortly after they moved here and um, quickly just just loved her. <laughs> and um, she has just been so instrumental to me in, in women's ministry, just kind of almost a right hand, someone that I can count on if I just... Um, if I just feel overwhelmed or if I just I need some wisdom on something, I know that she's always praying for me. I feel it all the mm-hmm. time. Um, but one of the things that stood out to me as I've gotten to know Julie and have just stood back and watched her is that, um, Julie, you are so great at connecting with women mm-hmm. on on a level that is beyond just that surfacey. You're just mm-hmm. so great at it. And I have also watched you connect women with one another. Um, And just you are always a support to women. I see them coming to you. I see you reaching out to them. It it really like it makes my my women's ministry heart so happy. Mm. (laughs) Um, But so I guess one of the things we wanted to talk to you about today is how how did that passion grow to just love women in that way? Mm-hmm. Because I can tell it's a passion. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I okay, as you were stating that question, the first thing that came to my mind, and I don't know that I have like a moment or an event, like I don't have a story, um, thankfully, because some people do, where maybe I was excluded or mm-hmm. I was, hurt, you know, hurt, that that kind of generated that empathy. But I do remember when I was little, my mom would write us birthday letters on our birthday, but we got them as adults. So, like, when I turned one, she wrote me a letter about what I was doing when I was one. When I was two, she'd write me a letter what I was doing when I was two. Then they were all in a box. And oh. then as an adult, you got them. Just to know. Just maybe an idea for some moms out there. But so can I go back sweet. and do it? I know yes. I do this. <laughs> it was so, so my, like, six-year-old, five- or six-year-old letter, I can't remember, she had told me that um, I didn't come home from school. I would be delayed coming home from school. We'd walk home from school. And um, she would come and look for me, and she said I would be in other people's yards. So my mom would come and find me, and I'd be in someone's yard, not the same yard every time. And she'd be like, baby, you have to come home after school. You know, I worry about you. And and anyways, I would say, but I'm making a friend today. Oh, that's so These were times that were different, right, where you could stop in someone's yard that you right, didn't know right. and make a friend. But um, anyways, so – that story came to my mind, but again, I don't really remember like a point where it, it happened. I do know that I think just as a result of my parents' divorce that I remember feeling invisible a lot as a young mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. and it really didn't articulate till I was older that that's kind of how I felt because um, other family members didn't perceive me as that way, but I did feel that way, and so I worried a lot. I think I felt alone a lot just because of 
um, the absence of a parent that was there and then suddenly gone all mm -hmm. the time. You, you know, my dad didn't, um, you know, visit um, very often. And so um, I think part of that maybe just made me think that if I wanted a friend, somebody else probably sure did too, oh, you know. I, um, I don't know. And, and I gravitate towards people on the margin, um, either in a room, mm -hmm. you know, at a party or – um, even maybe at my own house or um, if we are having to get together. I just, um, I'm just thankful that the Lord um, gave my heart empathy. You mm -hmm. know, maybe sometimes too, I, maybe I don't always um, rein that as well as I should, <laughs> rein that as well as I should, but um, I just want people to know that they're loved, you know, no matter what they've done, no matter what's been done to them, that that God loves them so much. That changes everything, absolutely everything. It changes your perspective. It changes um, what you believe about yourself, and then before you know it, you know you you start doing that for other people. That's what God did for us. Mm -hmm. He said, "I don't doesn't matter what you've done or what's been done to you. I love you." Mm -hmm. You know, so um, that's my best answer for that. And I don't, I don't, I can't really articulate it very good, but I sure like to do it. It's that's just built. Yeah, it's just it, built it in. It's it just built into who you are. And as a women's ministry, um, as the women's pastor, it is. You know, I can't personally connect with everyone mm -hmm. in in that way, even mm -hmm. if I wanted to in mm -hmm. my heart. Sure. And so it's so important. I always tell the women, um, you all are women's ministry, mm -hmm. <laughs> you Absolutely, know. Yeah. Um, and so when you see your women out there, you know, doing the things, loving on all the all, all the other women and and just really you know, those are the things that change people's experience and can lead to heart transformation. Mm -hmm. So it's it's so important. And Julie, I just I'm just telling you, you just do it so well. The, mm -hmm. Thank you. Praise God. The women that, that are in so. your um, realm, <laughs> they feel loved and they feel known and they feel accepted. And um, so I think it's interesting that we're sitting with you, Julie, and you've been here for how long did you say? Um, we moved here about a year and a half ago. We started at Rolling Hills in March, so a year ago, March. Yeah, so a year ago, March, and you're the one that we're like, when we talk about community and getting connected, mm -hmm. we want to sit across from you, and yet you're, in a sense, the new girl, or, mm -hmm. I mean, it hasn't been that long mm -hmm. since since you were mm -hmm. the new girl, mm -hmm. and with an understanding that people are built different, they're wired different, you know, you have extroverts, you have introverts, sure. all of yeah. those things, what were what were some of the things that you did or some of the ways that you got connected, even just coming into Tennessee, coming into Rolling Hills? Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, before we had left Washington, um, I prayed a lot. And so I, I think that's really a precursor to, you know, we're looking for connections or to find your place, you know, where you fit or your, um, you know, your community, your group of people is to pray. You know, I prayed for our We'd find a house because that was a big deal a year and a half ago <laughs> around here oh, to yes. try and find a house. And um, and we also prayed for a church home. And then we also prayed for neighbors, just mm. great neighbors and so um, and friends. And so I would say pray first for sure. And um, and then don't wait. You know, we really have to place ourselves um, uh, in a spot to where we can make friends, to where we can mm -hmm. meet people. And sometimes that's hard, again, given whether you're introvert or extrovert, what that's going to look like. And what you have energy for, because that's really the kind of the kicker as far as the introvert, extrovert, what what energizes you, what doesn't, how much is it going to take from you. But 
Um, I think don't delay for one thing. I think it's easier to sit um, in that delay. It gets a little more comfortable than if we just kind of force ourselves out the chute and try and make some connections. I think there's some obvious things like practical tips for sure. I mean, um, you know, if you have kids, then you're going to meet people at sporting events where your kids are, you know, playing, you know, be sure and just visit with the person next to you or mm -hmm. volunteer at your kid's school, volunteer for ministry. At, first of all, find a church home. We hope we'd love to have you here. If not, find a church home. Mm -hmm. But um, and then plug into some ministry areas where you can serve. Um, my very first ministry area I served here was the coffee mm -hmm. counter. And my mm -hmm. husband travels for work. So I came to church a lot by myself. I came and served by myself and I am an extrovert but still it took some gumption you know like hey I'm Julie you know like I don't right. know but those are some of my first friends mm -hmm. at this church were the coffee ministry people and I still do that occasionally and then women's ministry um provided me with you know a bunch of friends and so I would say connect that way but there's other things that you could do like before I moved I got on socials and I followed everything Franklin I did City of Franklin. I did meat. I did food. I did festivals. I did um, gardening. I did boutiques. Anything I could, just to kind of study up on what was here and what was available, and then started to plug in to those areas. Ask friends. What That's do you great. do? Um, you know, what are your interests in? And go along with them. Like you may not have any interest in what they're going to do, but that's not really the point. The point is to um, have exposure to other people mm -hmm. where connections can happen. Right. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, throw a party. We had a, um, we, we'd been here a couple months and we did a driveway potluck just because I wanted to meet my neighbors. And so I put a cute little invitation at everybody's mailbox and just said, bring an appetizer and lawn chair. And we're, and we had tables out. We put a fire pit out and we had 40 people come. Wow. wow. I love that. What a great idea. And got to meet our neighbors. Um, and some of those neighbors hadn't even mm -hmm. met each other. Um, one of my favorite things, this is kind of a side note, but one of my favorite things is just kind of set that kind of um, set that opportunity for community up and watch how that organically happens. Like, I don't even have to be involved in that. Like, mm -hmm. if I could just step out and watch how people mm -hmm. um, share and connect. We had one gal um, who had a piano at her house and another fellow who lives by us who nobody knew. He's, he's a salesman now for something different than what he went to college for. But he was a concert pianist from Belmont. And he said, but I don't have a piano more. I don't, I don't play. Well, our neighbor across the street said, come here. Use my piano. And then we had another older woman whose bike didn't work. Well, do we have a guy who works on So it, uh, these beautiful connections, mm -hmm. these unseen threads of mm -hmm. connection that God designed organically to happen. We just have to be put together. Mm -hmm. I think most people want that. Mm -hmm. I, th th I think you're right. I think with maybe a few exceptions, People want connection, right? They want connection. They also want to be invited. Mm -hmm. And so taking that initiative to invite people mm -hmm. to do something, invite them to have coffee. One of the things that I do in counseling quite a bit, actually, people who are looking for community, I'm like, okay, give me five names of people that you would love to know more about. And then in the next two weeks, I want you to send out the first invite for coffee or lunch. And then the next two weeks, you're going to send out an invite to the next one, you know, serving such a great idea. Mm -hmm. what do you, what's, what's your area that you love to serve in? What are you passionate mm -hmm. about? And find a church, find somewhere in the community. Mm -hmm. The coffee is perfect. Everybody, almost everybody, almost everybody loves That's coffee, right. right? So great way to get mm -hmm. to know people. I know here at Rolling Hills, we have an explore class where you can come learn all about um, Rolling Hills and the ways that there are to serve and to get connected mm -hmm. and 
So we'd love mm-hmm. love to know if anybody wants more yeah. information about that. And as I well. even see like people that um, do you want to serve somewhere in their community to meet some people. Like when I moved here, I just didn't quite know where those places were. But right. Rolling Hills, we have partners mm-hmm. that we partner with. So I would say if there's a woman who wants to get connected to serve in the community, mm-hmm. call up. I don't know who do they call here to find out. It Jacob would be or Ashley Fox. <laughs> Ashley Fox, right? You're welcome, Ashley, Ashley Fox. Yeah, and she can let you know who our partners are, yep. and you can hook up that way. You know, yeah. we've done impromptu charcuterie board night at my house for women. We've done country-themed parties. We just pick a country, and we mm. did Spain last time. So all the food was Spain. Music was from Spain. Um, uh, people dressed up like that. We did, you know, go. Um, we did a Galentine's or, you know, for a Valentine's Day, and did um, we went downtown to Paddywax and made candles you know we we're having a tea party on you know this next sunday just some things that now it doesn't have to necessarily be to that grand scale but i would say coffee with a friend or even like you know lemonade in the front lawn while the neighbor kids play with your kids it doesn't have to be giant right i think it's just putting yourself in places and being brave enough Mm -hmm. to say hello yeah that's good so how do we take this a step further um so we're starting to make connections. Maybe we're new to town, we're new to church, we're new to our neighborhood, whatever. We're starting to make those surface connections. What do you think sometimes holds women back from making those deeper connections? Um, I think what time, for sure, availability, you know, and that is so um, relative to each woman, isn't it? I mean, based if you're full time, mm-hmm. if you have kids at home, if you don't. If you work full-time and you have kids at home and you have sports happening. So availability for sure would be one. I think trust and vulnerability Mm -hmm. um, are another one. I don't know that we ever outgrow all the time, outgrow wondering um, how people perceive us. Mm -hmm. um, So I don't know that we're always good at vulnerability. Um, I think intentionality, again, we kind of talked about that, like cutting the time out is a big deal. I think – I think self-esteem and self-worth is a big one. I don't think I recognized that until I got a little bit older, that some things that would hold me back, um, you know, if I don't really like myself a whole lot sometimes or love myself a whole lot, sometimes I wonder if someone else is going to. Mm. Um, But I I just think we need to remember, you know, our identity has been um, declared. It's determined in the word who we are that, um, you know, we're fearfully, wonderfully made. We're God's um, masterpiece. We're his beloved, the apple of his eye. Like, we don't need to um, kind of strive for that um, proving of our worth in it. Um, I think that's hard. I, I don't know. I'm not a guy, so I don't know if guys go through that. But mm-hmm. I think sometimes women do, for sure. Yeah. I think taking a, a step toward even sharing a part of who you are, sharing something that's vulnerable Mm -hmm. about your life or maybe not to a massive amount of people but Mm -hmm. maybe just to that one person you know there's so much that happens when we open up our heart to someone else it opens the door for them Mm -hmm. to then share a little bit more about their story but Mm -hmm. but it's it's hard it's intimidating and I think you're so right about what you said the things that we don't necessarily love about ourselves we often assume that the other people are not going to love those things Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. you know or I'm going to be too much or too little Mm -hmm. Or maybe the struggle isn't a universal one. Maybe it's just me. Mm-hmm. I really think, you know, 
what's kept in the dark, you know, Satan has a heyday with mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. and gets us all tangled up in knots about it. So um, um, I think the vulnerability for sure is critical, you know, and in order for that trust to be built, you know, we talked about trust, vulnerability, intentionality. Um, all of those are intertwined. Like in order for that trust to be built, some vulnerability is given. You know, that's risky. It it's is. all a risk. Um, and, and generally, I think, with reward. Um, but it but it can be scary, especially when you're new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I think we have talked about, um, you know, one of the things that, as I mentioned earlier, you just have a way of making women feel known, loved, helping them get connected. Um, and we talked about some of those key factors in helping women to develop those deeper, intentional relationships with others. And I think what you just said was spot on with the vulnerability. Is there anything else you can think of that you would want to add to that just in terms of helping women focus on those? You know, every it, you, you can know a ton of people, but... Um, where do you find community and that mm-hmm. deeper connection? Anything, any other mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Well, I think, um, I think how do we, uh, we talked about things that limit that, right? Mm-hmm. The factors that could um, help it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think it's effort for sure. We talked about that intentionality, putting yourself out there. Um, I think genuine just love and interest and curiosity in another person, yes, which will never get boring because there's all kinds of people, right, in the world. There's all kinds of um, stories to be heard. Everybody has a story, and they just want somebody to listen to it. So I think if you just generally stay curious um, and want to generally know more about a person and spend the time, I think being a really good listener mm-hmm. is important, um, and not so that you can quickly attach your story to it, but just because you want to learn about the person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important. Being um, Holding confidence um, is important. Um, appreciation for that person um, it, that can be shown in all kinds of different ways. Sometimes appreciation is shown, and y- you know, is shown just picking their phone up at eleven at night when you'd rather be in the bed, but they called it because you love them and you mm-hmm. appreciate their friendship. You're going to answer that phone call. Um, and then a big one I think is celebrate. I, you know, we see celebration throughout the Word over and over that God mandated for us, to, and I just don't think we do enough. I mean, right. I think we should celebrate birthdays, sure, and new jobs and babies, but, you know, celebrate the toddler that finally potty trained, you know, Amen. or, you know, <laughs> um, or your friend's um, son who got into the college they really wanted to get into, mm-hmm. um, or you worked out for a week, like, praise God, I got up at 5 a.m. and my, I, I don't, but, I mean, somebody got up at 5 a.m. and worked out <laughs> for a week, did. like, celebrate it. I think Absolutely. that's, um, you know, there's joy in these unions that the Lord created for us. So I think yeah. those are some ways to make it happen versus the hindrance to it not happening. Right. Yeah, that's good. And you just have such a gift with that um, because I, I don't think that is one of my strengths. I can I feel like some t- days I am in survival mode myself. I don't even know my own schedule, let alone thinking about what's happening in other people's lives. And I think that's something you just do so well so many times. <laughs> I will mention that I have something going on and you will ask me about it in our next conversation. And that is such a gift and uh, something that I 
definitely want to work on myself because I, I have a lot of room for improvement there. But um, it means a lot because I, I know that you care and that you were listening, even if I'm rambling 80 miles an hour to you. Um, you know, so I just think that's such a wonderful, special touch that you just fold into all of your interactions. Um, so I, I really appreciate that about you. Um, okay, so Julie, speak to the women that are new here or in a new place or in a place of transition. What encouragement do you have for them today? Right off the bat. Um, at this question, which I'm not even, I think I'm going to say it's the Holy Spirit because nothing, you know, all the good, all the good ideas come from the Holy Spirit. Um, if it's a good idea, anyways, um, <laughs> I would just say that God sees you. Mm. That was the first thing, and um, and that comes from the story of Sarah and Abraham in the Bible. That um, Hagar was the maidservant of Sarah, and um, she's with child, Abraham's child. You can look this up in Genesis 16. And the Old Testament is so exciting. You don't need to go to the movies. Just read the Old Testament. But <laughs> um, it starts in 16 and goes beyond. But anyways, um, and so Hagar is carrying um, Abraham's baby. And Sarah, um, first off, Hagar gets a little sideways with Sarah about this um, child she's carrying. And so Sarah's pretty hurt by this and um, mistreats Hagar. So she leaves. She runs away to the wilderness. Um, and while she's there alone, the angel of the Lord visits her, and he questions her and challenges her, but then blesses her. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, Hagar names the Lord, and she names him Elroy, the God who sees, the God who sees me. And so this slave woman, non-Israel, um, light, you know, woman, she's an Egyptian slave, powerless, voiceless. She's the first one, y'all, to name God in the Bible. And it's because she was alone, and God saw, and God heard. And so I would say to women who are new, anywhere, work environment, church environment, um, that God sees you, like I saw Hagar, that, um, and that he intends to bless you. If it feels like mm. kind of a wilderness space for you, you're not alone. You are perfectly suited for God to know where you are. And um, just continue to commune with him. Let him know your heart's, um, heart's desire and um and like our sermon series says, trust him. I mean, he can do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine. It tells us in Ephesians 3.20. That's what he's done for me here at Rolling Hills, specifically through women's ministry. And um, my husband and I were just talking about this last night. And just I was just noting the ways of how I'm so grateful for how the Lord had opened doors for me to be able to be a part. That doesn't. That God did that in a year's time. That's not something you can make your way on. And so I'm so grateful for just know he sees you and mm-hmm. he's intending to bless you. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's so great. All right, one final question uh, before we wrap up. What is one word that you would use to describe this season of life for you? I would say uh, my word is try. And the reason why I come to it so quickly is we have a women's group that meets at our house, my house on Tuesday just for our ladies in the cul-de-sac. And um, I had challenged all of them this year, the beginning of the year, to come up with a word for the year, like pray about it, right, like a scripture or a word. And so mine was try. And um, and for me specifically, um, I'm, a, um, I'm, I'm the Enneagram. I'm a one. And so I want things to be perfect. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little critical on myself and so um it it's um it's important that the words try and and my word is not success or completion um or or um perfect or it's just try it 
like you're not going to die if you fail, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're afraid, we're all afraid. So just try it. Mm -hmm. So my word in this season is try. Are there some things, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Are there anything, is there anything that you can think of specifically where you've like had to put that in practice? Like, okay, Julie, just try it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I, I list them in my journal. And some of them were like fails for sure. Mm -hmm. And some were like I'm trying to learn French. So <laughs> I've got like the Duolingo app, you know, so I do French. I'm like, I've had to go back to the beginning. I got like halfway through and I'm like, I don't even know. So I went back and I started again, but I'm still trying. So that, and then I wanted to uh, try um, canning. So okay. I can. Mm, nice. That was good. Um, what else did I try? Um, I wrote a devotional for my kids. You know, I'm, I'm in a season where I'm not working currently. And so um, I wrote a 30-day short devotional for my kids that's um, um, at the graphic designer. I don't even know what you call them. They do the creative stuff, you know. So mm -hmm. I tried that. Um, applied for a job that I didn't get. But I tried. You tried. Yeah. You know, so there's, I, there's, I'm just kind of keeping a record. Okay, that's trying. incredible. That's tried that's sourdough incredible. bread. You know that. Wow, I, I, I do want to try. It. I do want to try that. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I more want to eat it than I do want to make it. I but am I sorry. <laughs> so I want to try it. Okay, so. I am not your sourdough <laughs> I can bread get girl. You a sourdough starter. <laughs> just let me know. I got I you. Do, I do. I do want to try that. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right, listeners. What is it that you should try this mm -hmm. week um, or in the upcoming weeks? Hey, Julie. Thanks so much for. Being here today, ladies, thank you for listening to As You Go. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. As You Go podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills podcast network available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.